Bellamore do the legendary Irish whiskey, triple distilled. What do you? What are your thoughts about the Tullamore do? It's along the lines of a Jameson, but not quite. Right, it's not smooth like the Cooper's Mark. I wouldn't really call it smoky. I don't think. No, it's got a bite. It's got a bite, but it's not really smoky. No, it's not smoky. Um, it's good though. It's another one of those things. If it's under twenty bucks and it's pretty good, it's good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> you ever see those bottles that are like ninety bucks, hundred bucks, two hundred dollar whiskey? Like, jeez. No, I mean. What are they? What are the expensive ones again? I don't recall. I don't remember. But I wonder, it can't be that much better than a good $20 bottle of whiskey. Yeah, it feels like you're kind of a sucker. I don't know. I bet Raphael, our producer, has some of that shit. And I bet he'd tell you the difference. He'd probably tell me I drank it when I was at his house. And now I'm going to feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I drank, what? How expensive was that? Uh-oh. I'm just not probably cultured in that way. I'm more of a peasant when it comes to my alcohol. Damn peasant, man. You just live in the peasantry lifestyle. <laughs> Trump would call you a loser. It's well. Those, it's one of those poor losers. I mean, I take that as a compliment. Oh, well, sure. Jesus said, blessed are the poor mm-hmm. in spirit. And blessed are the poor. He came to announce good news to the poor. So. And I like to think I'm both. Ah, we're not poor. No. We're not. In the grand scheme of things, no. Poor is poor. I mean, there are some people. No, that, that, was, that was an insulting statement that I just said. Oh, right for sure. Yeah. For sure. Not not on purpose. But sometimes you say those things. Sometimes, I mean, I no, get it, though. Not like, you live month to month. You live in California. I have been blowing through insurance money. You got that so. campfire money? Yeah. I bet it's hard not to, man. They just give you a check, don't they? Yeah, and you put it in your savings account, and the oh, rest boy. is kind of up to you. <laughs> oh, boy. So that's, I don't know, man. I feel like we're right at the limit. Like we, uh, We've legitimately spent money on stuff that we've lost. You know, it's newer and nicer, but... Yeah. Well, it's always going to be newer. I mean, hasn't You can't avoid that. No. Yeah. It's probably always going to be nicer, because... When you think about it, like you buy, I just bought a shovel to fucking plant some plants and that thing broke in the first day. Not broke, broke, but it's loose as fuck just from taking out one root. And it's like, if we had the money, we'd buy the good stuff. All Because it's, it's actually a better investment, like shit that's not mm-hmm. going to break. I bet I go through five shovels before I, it, you know, I go through five shovels per good shovel and you spend five times, you know, three times as much more money or something. I believe that's been shown in Probably. some sort of study. There's got to be a study. Yeah. Look that shit up. Not hey. you, like the listeners at home. <laughs> I ain't got time for that. You don't got. You don't even have the computer in front of you. I'm watching <laughs> scroll across the screen, man. It's just another instance where the poor get screwed and the rich get richer. Yeah, you ever think about, like, if you get pulled over, you get like a $200 fine in California, depending on what you do. A rich person doesn't give a fuck about that. Their insurance going up a little bit. Like, let's say you got millions of dollars in the bank, you get a two hundred dollar ticket. Like, who gives a shit? It's pocket change. Jeff Bezos gets like a right. a parking ticket. He's just like fucking park it. Like, he could he could get a parking ticket every second of the day, and it wouldn't matter. He can park wherever the fuck he wants. Ha- handicap. He'd have someone go pick it up out of the yard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't matter. 
like the same like the poor people get the same fines and the same slaps on the wrist as but it's not a slap on the wrist to them it'd be a slap on the wrist to some rich dude who or i mean not really even it doesn't seem like much of a disincentive um right if you're trying yeah are you trying to get crime to go down or um things like that yeah. to go down well you're getting to go down among certain populations maybe but i mean the the poor person can't pay the ticket you know possibly they lose their vehicle they can't yep. go to their job they can then they yep. lose their income they can't pay their ticket it's just, i mean it's they enter a vicious cycle that you know it's totally foreign to somebody who has you know the money to pay for it yeah i think more and more people are living in that in that space where like they get a 200 dollars ticket they're kind of fucked a little bit like i i don't think i'm i'm not to that place i can get a 200 dollars ticket it would suck like when we get medical bills or something, it's like, yeah. fuck. But it's not like... No, I mean, I have to actually really think, is it worth it for me to speed right now? I mean... Yeah, that's... Yeah. So it, it probably does deter. I drive slow. I don't know. Do you speed? I speed sometimes. Most of the time I do. I have... Yeah. You I have my moments. Like... You got that dirt biker in you. Yeah, you know, and I've, I've been playing video games for most of my life. That doesn't help. <laughs> Fast-paced ones? <laughs> You know, I figured out all the drive, the racing lines and stuff, and I like to press, practice them. But in real life? In real life. As long as you don't play Grand Theft Auto and practice in real life. Which I don't. Honestly, I, I never got into Grand Theft Auto. I got into San Andreas. There's a plane going overhead. It's loud. Right overhead. I could see it. I could see it's loud on there. This is just the, this is what happens on the bonfire sessions. You get the you get the real world going about you. More so in Chica. Yeah, I think once we get up to your place again, it's gonna be quieter. I bet we'll notice a difference. Right. We don't have the boys home either, with all the yelling. Oh yeah. You said it's that. gonna be really quiet. Uh, you said that. Maybe group a little home. too quiet. Yeah, a little too quiet. <laughs> we'll make sure to bring bring a little noise. <laughs> I only worked at that group home by your house one time. Oh, I didn't know you actually did. Yeah, one one. One time, I was. I think I was there twice. Maybe I worked at a different one. I worked with the younger kids, man. Sorry. I worked with the younger kids, man. Um, they could be even a little tougher than the older kids. They, they're <laughs> tougher. Little, well, not like physically tougher, but like tougher emotionally because they're a little they're immature. Oh, tougher to deal with. Tougher to deal with. Like yeah. your shifts were tough when with the young kids. Man. I could see that. Yeah. Okay. So I worked. Yeah. But eventually, yeah, we won't have this ambient noise. But I kind of like it sometimes. It's funny to listen to a car go by. Be like, oh, recording a podcast, cars driving by. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind it. No, it, it's good. As it's long good. as it's not all the time. Yeah. Yeah, we've just got the, we got the fires going, man. We got a water feature in the background. I'm trying to make it home for you, uh, displaced Paradisian. Right, I appreciate it. Yeah. Doing what we can here. Did I tell you that I got an article published with Zondervan? Uh, when was it? Uh, on the 18th of March. Oh, this, is gonna come, this is going to come out two months later. Okay. No, it I just made me think. think. It's like, you heard of Zondervan, right? HarperCollins? <laughs> yeah. Real conservative? Yeah. Like, you should see the fucking social media posts. So they, they share the article and then the people comment. Yeah. That follows Zondervan. Right. I forgot about that world, man. There is some vitriol in Christianity. Boy, oh boy. I mean, I don't, I haven't forgot it. But sometimes you see it laid on so thick, you're like, damn. 
The, like, pe- the people who follow Zonervan, I'm guessing, are pretty conservative. I mean, obviously. And, I mean, just not to get distracted, but wasn't Rob Bell, was he with Zondervan? No, I think he was on uh, Harper. He was I mean, it's with... the same family. Same okay. family of publishers. Right. I think Harper's a little more liberal, though. Okay. I think. So, I think they got, uh, like, Rachel Held Evans, Rob, um, authors like that, where they might be in the more... Um, that whole emergent camp, Brian McLaren's, those type of people that came out. Right. I wouldn't call them liberal, but um, I think they, I think <laughs> they published uh, my friend Lily Barana's book. She's pretty progressive, but Zonervan is still the conservative bash. It's like the top-notch conservative scholarship. I think. Okay. They're on the uh, family of of Harper and took over the rights to the NRSV Bible. And then they had a bunch of us. <laughs> I know, right? That's a good. That's the. That's the. That's actually the translation I use. That's what scholars use oh, for the most part. Sorry. Right. Okay. No, I know, and I think they do the NIV as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so they're doing a series of blogs where it's like me and Keith, and then a bunch of like PhDs. <laughs> and it seems like a lot of people liked my article. It was about. It was called "Reading the Bible Through the Lens of the Forgiving Victim." You should see the vitriol on on Facebook, man, from some of these people. Just because, I mean, if, if you're reading it through the lens of somebody, it kind of suggests that you're within this lens. You're going to be uh, neglecting other parts of Scripture. Yeah, and I, I mean, cherry picking. Well, that's what they'd say, right? That's what that's what I always get accused of. Really, what I'm saying is that. Um, if you step back and you look at like, let's just look at the quote unquote Old Testament. Like you step back and you're like, okay, the writings of the Old Testament is a conversation. So you can never say like the Jews believed. Well, in Jesus' day, this is what the Jews believed. It's like, no, that doesn't, that's a meaningless statement. But you can't, you can also not say that about like the Old Testament the Jews believed. Because it's just, that's not, they did disagreed all the time. They, they, you could say that this group of Jews at this particular t- yeah typically believe typically like yeah and even <laughs> when you get in then like the Sadducees yeah. and the Pharisees didn't agree with each other so you could loosely say it I would I would say but when you point this out like I pointed out in the article and then I I talk about the different voices in the Bible I put that in air quotes like the different perspectives in the Bible that can loosely be called like the voice of retribution like the voice of a vengeful God the voice of like God go kill you know God telling someone to go wipe out these people and you can have the voice of like the victim of that sort of thing crying out for vengeance against the oppressors and then I'm just saying that like Jesus is like the epitome of the voice of the forgiving victim but but I also mm-hmm. say that in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible that that's present as well. It's just it gets like the lens becomes clearer with Jesus. People do not like that. <laughs> what do they say? <laughs> well, that I'm a false, you know, the same stuff. I'm a false teacher. I'm spreading false doctrine. It's a um, I mean, how deceived how so? So. Uh, because it's not their lens of the Bible. They believe every jot and tittle of the Bible is. I mean, these are these are more conservative fundamentalists. The kind of stuff we grew up in, the you know, right. the kind of stuff that it's fear. I mean, it's ba- I mean, basically tribalism, right? I mean, 
Oh, for sure. The the main point is that you don't agree with their tribe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then once you do that, like these people, I've never met these people in my life. You know, these are just people on social mm-hmm. media. He's deceiving you. He's a um, trickster. It's <laughs> like I've never met you. It's weird to Rob Bell experienced this, and I think he made this point. Farewell, Rob Bell. That famous tweet. Yeah, that, that was. Uh, wasn't that a magazine? The cover of a magazine or something? It might have been, but I, I think, think it was, was based on a tweet by John Piper. Okay. Clever. Yes. <laughs> uh, I guess. Fair, right. Sorry. I make I that joke that. to people. I make that. I, oh, you did? Oh, I, make, I make that joke to people. If they say something, I say farewell, whoever the name is. And then I say it doesn't have quite. Yeah. Doesn't have quite the ring. But um, yeah. So he had that. And it might have been the cover. Maybe Time. Is that what you said? Newsweek? Uh, what? I mean, I don't know. Maybe Christianity Today. <laughs> Relevant. Or, uh, um or uh, books and culture, perhaps. I don't know. Right. But I think he made the point when he came out with his with his book, Love Wins. People were writing him off and they never met him. Didn't know what kind of father he was. Didn't know what kind of husband he was. Didn't know what kind of friend he was. Just see ya. Fuck off in Christianese. God yeah. Bless. yeah. <laughs> you take this snapshot. It really is just a snapshot of this person's life. And not even his personal life. I mean, books yeah. are personal. You know that. I mean, to a degree. To a degree. Yeah. But it's not who you are. It's yeah. what you think at the time. And to attach... Let me get ahead of that. Sorry. Sorry. Go for it. I'm sorry. To attach what you're doing professionally and what you think to how you treat people, is just it's really unfortunate. It is tribalism of the worst kind. And that's what I saw on social media with that. Never met these people. I think it was less than a thousand, thousand words, this article. And I think that's how the guy from Zondervan said it was something like, you know, keep it around a thousand words or 1200. And it might've been around that. So in 1200 words at most, you're like, this dude's tricking you. He's a false prophet. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't know who would accuse you of being a sheep. That's kind of weird. No, look that, at me. That doesn't really ring true. I smoke weed and drink whiskey <laughs> and cuss and have a bunch of tattoos. What? What? Yeah. Seriously, what exactly is sheepish about you? Black sheep, I, I maybe. No black sheep. The black yeah. sheep. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> you see those people who like um, they get their 23andMe or Ancestry.com results, and they got like one percent black. And they're like, "I'm a person of color. I know your struggle, sister." <laughs> and it's like, "Whoa, come on, stop." Stop. Yeah. Hold the horses. <laughs> I don't know if it was 23 and me, but uh, was it? It was. Uh, he's related to Seinfeld. Oh, Larry David. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he found out that his ancestors were uh, slave owners or something like that. I saw that. Yeah. I saw. <laughs> I saw that on something. Something they having, revealed like his results on in, in a recording, and he was like, "Oh yeah. shit." Yeah, that's funny. I saw I saw one of those on uh, on the old YouTube, where a dude who was like a white supremacist found out he was like his family's from Ghana or something. <laughs> he wouldn't believe it. He was like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope." That's perfect. Yeah, it is perfect, man. It's amazing. See, that's the point about that's the point about the Bible, though. Like these Christians get so mad. And they get so mad that I would suggest things like this. And it's like the, the, the ideas I put forth in books. 
they'd get so upset about this. But that's the reality of the Bible. Like when you have Jonah, Jonah and the whale, and he, oh, it's raining. Let yeah, me finish. I just my, felt it. Let me finish my story. We're gonna have to put up a. Uh, we're gonna have to put up an umbrella because it's starting to rain. But yeah, Ooh, I boy, think finish your story. I'm gonna finish my story though. Like, there's two different perspectives. Like Nahum, if you read Nahum in the Bible, N A H U M, like he, like that, that is a minor prophet, I think. And he's like, lay waste to these motherfuckers, like the Assyrians, like fuck them, fuck Nineveh, kill them all. But then in Jonah, it's like, no, go preach to them, go help them, go love them. It's just a different perspective, man. That's it. The Bible presents a different perspective, and people get so mad about that. It's like, it's right there in your Bible. Everyone believed that God blesses the righteous and curses the wicked. Everyone believed that. It's right there in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. 28. Yeah, it's pretty clear. It's pretty yeah. clear. The Bible's clear. Mm-hmm. And Job's like, no. Fuck this, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Job's like, fuck this. And his friends are like, yeah, no, you fucked up. You must have. That's the way it works. And he's like, nope. And they're like, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pete Enns did this. He did this whole thing. His interpretation of the book of Job is, nope, yep, nope, yep, nope, yep. I was like, yeah, that's funny. 36 chapters of that shit. <laughs> but it's like, that's the thing. Like, the Bible does this. You got two perspectives. You got a couple perspectives. No, and I this is this is what I mean by taking the Bible seriously. I take the Bible seriously. Taking the Bible seriously doesn't mean putting in a it in a place on an altar that it was never meant to be on. It's it means what was it actually for? That That's exactly right. The the Bible tells a story about people who are like, How how do I talk about God right now? How do I see God right now? How do I, I understand God right now? Yeah. yeah. And I know I got my tradition. I know I got my stories. I know I got my Torah. I know I got my prophets. How's it work right now? So it's funny because I, t- I take the Bible real seriously. More serious probably than you. Yeah. And more serious than most people. Well, you definitely read it more than I have. You've studied it more yeah, than I have. Yeah, definitely. And then that's not to yeah. shit on you. Like if you, if you have a different interest, go with that. Like we said earlier, it's not what you, you said this. It's not what we should do. It's what we want to do. Yeah. So I want to do that. You don't. And okay, you want to cool. read the Bible. I want to play video games, you know, <laughs> to each his own. To each his own. <laughs> right. But you also want to do podcasts, which. Right. I, I, I also love a good, a good conversation. Right. As anybody who knows me would say. Yeah. Diversify. You got to do a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. But I, I take the Bible so seriously that I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? With the fact that the Old Testament, and I don't even like that. I don't like old and new. I don't like to break it up like that. Because it's like, we almost we almost do this thing like, Old Testament, God can get off being a little bit, a uh, little, little, little shaky. Right. I mean, <laughs> we understand that he's going to be violent in the Old yeah, Testament. Yeah, we'd write that shit off. Yeah. Um, at least the people who are consistent are like, but he killed Ananias and Sapphira. He killed, you know. So, yeah, like, I mean, he was uh, just... Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's a whole different conversation for a different <laughs> podcast. The Heretic Happy Hour, probably. Right. Ananias and Sapphire is interesting, though, but I don't want to go down that road. I take the Bible more seriously than most people. That's the thing. And it's funny because, like, even the people, like, I know, I know pastors, I know a couple of people who are like, I disagree with you, Matt. But 
I see where you're coming from. And some of them would admit, would admit that I certainly know the Bible more than the people that go to their church. <laughs> mm-hmm. least, you know, and you, I'd say you do too, but maybe you disagree. But you I, do take it, you take it, you take it as seriously as anyone else. I mean, any any Christian. Well, right. Sure. I mean, again, I take it seriously in that I feel like I understand what it's for, what it's about more than a lot of people. But I don't. It's been almost maybe a decade since I've really even opened it up been for any long? length of time. Yeah. Almost. Uh, I mean, seven to ten years. But I think that goes. I think that goes back to wisdom versus intelligence. Like you have the wisdom to see the big picture. But you can't say on which page, number, chapter, verse, no. cha- you know, all this, like, who said this? What was, what's this Bible verse? Name a Bible verse. What's your favorite Bible verse? I'm more than happy to talk about whatever Bible verse, but yeah. Sure. Because you got the wisdom rather than necessarily the uh, biblical intelligence. Thank you. But a lot of people don't have the wisdom. <laughs> they have the biblical intelligence. They say, in this verse, this guy says this. And that's, for most people, that's like a cut and dried case. You're wrong. I'm right. Because I quoted a verse. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, exegete that. And they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, their position is definitely easier. Yeah. If you can, if you can quote a bunch of shit, you're good. Because God speaks to them then. Like you got God on your side. But I'm sorry. It's just me. I don't, I don't have a huge amount of respect or awe for like just a really huge hard drive. I mean, (laughs) especially with the age of the internet, like. Why would you spend your time doing that? I mean, I guess I guess if you had a bunch of verses in your head that you can meditate about, then you didn't have to spend a couple seconds. I think it goes back to what do you want to do and what do you what should you do? Most Christians live under a uh, context of what what should you be doing, God God's stuff, rather than what do you want to be doing. If you want to memorize a bunch of Bible verse, if you want to be a scholar, if you want to recite Greek to me. And what Paul was saying in Greek in his letter to the Corinth church, fucking by all means, do that shit. That's what you want to do. If you feel like you should memorize Bible verse because <coughs> because you're operating out of a place of like fear, God's going to get you. If you're operating out of a place of like God works in a um, an exchange economy, I don't know if you're necessarily like doing what you want to do you're living out a place of should you're living out a place of fear you're living out a place if i don't do this god's gonna how do you put it squash me like a bug yeah (laughs) but worse continue to squash me over and over and his foot's on fire and that's why i think universalism is so important i think it's Um, important it's meta-narratively speaking you get the overall you and i would both be universalists and we might quibble on the mechanism of how you get there. We might yeah. interpret the story differently, mm-hmm. and that's fine. A lot of places yeah. don't allow for that. A lot of churches don't allow for that. A lot of doctrines don't allow for that. And sorry, hopefully those churches are dying. I assume you probably are, but um, well, I'm sure there's some that aren't. <laughs> there's some that aren't. I've heard overall the trend is downward. Right. Yeah. I heard yeah. from somebody that you know, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. I read an article once who's <laughs> quoted this one. You know, it's hard. I, ho- I hope that's the case. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
I mean, but it, it needs it, to die. It's hard to get all the raw data and interpret it right. And okay, but yeah, I hope it is. <laughs> not, not, not that I hope church per se dies. I guess it just depends no, on what no, not at all. what you define it as. If you're the called out ones, you know that's what ecclesia means in Greek. Well, what does that mean though? Evangelicals, Catholics, <laughs> Orthodox, Christian. Uh, I mean, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it transcends. Muslim, Baha'i, Buddhist, in what way? In what way do we mean to be called out? What are we called out from? What are we called out to? I mean, as long as it's nothing based on fear. I right. Mean, I would say that's definitely a step in the right direction. It's funny, like, even when you talk about fear, what do you mean by fear? I mean, fear is like the raw emotions. Uh, well, I mean, no, fear specifically with regards to eternal conscious torment. I mean, oh, that, I, I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's, I guess we could talk about whether it's okay to be afraid of being embarrassed, having your ego hurt. Those are all gray areas. Ultimately, I think. Those it, are the wasted emotions though. I mean, wasted, right. I was going to say <laughs> embarrassed. That, that's all embarrassment and that's just a wasted emotion. But if, no, if you're genuinely afraid of dying, if you don't get it right, can that can that be I think can that it does. be divine? Can it be has that can that have anything to do with God? Uh, can it be good? Can it be good? Can it be good? Way? Yeah, to fear God, let's say. Like the Bible says the beginning of fear the be- <laughs> <laughs> See, y'all fucked me up right. for too many years. I get it wrong. The beginning of wisdom, fear is the beginning of wisdom, right? I mean fear of Proverbs. God is the beginning is the beginning of wisdom. There you go. Thank you for articulating what I stumbled right, through right. like a bumbling idiot. <laughs> and we got it. We got right. it as a team, <laughs> tag team. <laughs> can that be? Can that be divinely true? Uh, no, I mean only unless it's a step along the way. I mean, no, I don't. I don't think it's ever necessary to have fear be part of the equation. I think. I mean, God can use everything towards the good in the end. But Agreed. no, it's not. I, don't, I would say it's not necessary to have an element of fear ever. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, and the the writer of First uh, John would agree. Like in love, there's no fear, and God is love. So it's like when you question those, what do you do with that? What do you do with if your view of the Bible is that it's inerrant, every jot and tittle, everything is theologically true, historically true, whatever. You're like, well, the beginning of the fear of God or the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God is, is, you know, it's fear. Like fear is the beginning. And then God is love and in love, there's no fear. Like, what do I do with that? How do you wrestle with that? That's tough. If your view of a Bible is such, if your view of the Bible is what Uh, we, we, we probably grew up with. Well, personally speaking, I mean, I think it requires um, something of direct experience. I mean, I think that's the the only thing. I mean, you're just talking about in concept. The only thing that can beat a concept is experiencing something directly. I mean, we're all talking about things that we've never really actually experienced. We've never really actually experienced the hell that is being talked about in the Bible. Of course not. But you've experienced love when you and love when you love Sperry 
when you love your wife, you fear. Is there any fear? No. Why would we think that about God? That's what's weird, we right? I mean, part of it is people have a messed up elementary view of who and what God is. I mean, I think that's that's one of the barriers. It's very uh, elementary. Sorry. I mean, God is no, not, not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. God is not Thor. God is not Odin. Uh, we have to get rid of uh, this elementary idea of deism. No. God is more like the Hindus talk about it in the East. God Uh-oh. is uh, Satchitnanda. I'm waiting for the heresy button because I'm thinking I'm on the heretic happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we, we don't do that, do we? <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> nope. That's fun. It's fun in the context, but not here. Right. This is a different this is a different vibe, homie. Different here. But it's funny, like then you get Satchit and Ananda and then you got David Bentley Hart. Whoa, that wind was like woo shit. The elements that we deal with here on the podcast. And a plane's going over. You get David Bentley Hart, who calls his book being his subtitles Being Consciousness Consciousness and Bliss. And that's his understanding of Satchit Ananda. Like the, well, the Eastern Orthodox scholar of scholars, smarter than any motherfucker I've ever talked to. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him. I get to brag about it. The Heretic Happy huh. Hour got me, got me to talk to David Bentley Hart. And I cussed in front of him, and <clears throat> now I feel kind of embarrassed. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. that dude is a smart dude, and he's not listening to this show. I'll send it to him. Like, that dude, the way he writes... I can't write like that. I can't talk like that. I can't think like that. It takes me five times to read his shit, but it is on point. And so when you get a Christian Eastern Orthodox talking the same language as a Hindu, this is what, this is what scares evangelicals, man. It's what scares most Christians. That's of the devil. That's Satan talking. That's you're being deceived. You're like going down a bad path. You're slippery sloping. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, Fear is the only thing that, I mean, that that's just evidence how powerful fear is. I mean, Ooh, it's super, fe- it's super mean, powerful. Man. These are these arguments, these things that David Bentley Hart and Alan Watts and people like them, these are these are really, really good arguments. Um, but in a di- like Alan Watts and David Bentley Hart would talk way differently and come from it, come at things from a way different with angle. respect to one another. Just in the way they communicate and the, right. the way they think. But I think they're saying the same thing. In essence. Yeah. Y- yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Um, well, maybe not obviously, but yeah. Not obviously, but do what you want to do. Don't do what you should. David Bentley Hart seems to want to talk at it from a very scholarly angle. Mm-hmm. And Alan Watts wants to distill all this shit down that he knows mm-hmm. and talk to you and me <laughs> and the and the dumb motherfuckers of the world. Right. No, I mean, Alan Watts is more of the C.S. Lewis of uh, uh, well, Eastern thought, I guess. Uh, <laughs> David Bentley Hart is Tolkien and, and, and Watts is Lewis. Sure. Yeah, that, that's probably a, an apt analogy. <laughs> it's, it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> if that's how you want to think about it, yeah. Right. Um, sorry. Watts, no, Watts is cool, though. Watts is cool. He, he grew up a Christian. He grew up a Christian, right? Episcopalian, and I, right, and I believe he got fired when he was trying to marry uh, Eastern. You can't do that. Thought, no, I mean, not good. I'm sure he saw it coming. 
He couldn't have been too surprised. He's but, wise. He's a wise dude. Uh, but I, I, I think he felt like it was worth it. it was I think it is worth it, man. It is worth it. You to can stay. always, you can always find another job. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, I think it's easier now to put out some crazy ideas. People, I mean, universalism was, oh boy, ten years ago. Even ten years ago, that's nothing. No, no. Now no. it's okay. Well, we we know there's you're out there now. <clears throat> And it's funny, like Edward Fudge, you know who he is? A- Annihilationist, uh, theologian, pastor type, you know. No, uh, the Rob Bell of the 80s. Okay. Except he went from eternal torment to annihilation. And he got the Rob Bell treatment <laughs> before Rob Bell really? was Rob Bell. Yeah. For being an annihilationist. If you're an annihilationist now, you're still cool. You can come to church. You start teaching that universalist shit. Oh boy. Watch out. So Watch out. Just... Hold on for a decade. <laughs> in a decade, we'll be good. <laughs> no, but we've come a long way in a decade. I no, I think say. we're still good. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't see this podcast being a podcast in 2009, no. even if we're good friends. I mean, technology aside, because podcasts are now, everyone has a podcast, but sharing these ideas, it's not. It's scary a little bit sometimes, but not really. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Well, I don't know what I... I don't know what I could be scared of anymore. I mean, what's there to be scared of after? No, no one's really threatening me. Like I said, no, I don't. I've never had anyone pick at any events I've been to. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had any physical threats? No. No, I have. I had one physical threat. Oh, Email. Real? That's not physical. And aside from group home, I got to say that. <laughs> like I said before. But, but that not, not because, not because, not because of, of no, no. I've had one vague email threat. That was something about, like, I'm in California. I know where yeah, your yeah. town is. and It was like, oh, oh shit. Okay. I mean, whatever. A lot of people know where Paradise Yeah, is. that's fine. That was weird. It still gets in your head a little bit, though. It's like, how crazy is this motherfucker? I know. I can't say anything because, you know, I'm too much of a coward to put myself out there, and I've never been threatened. So You're there now, man. I've I, I have cr- I've crossed the threshold, yeah. This is... This is uh, We've decided on May 20th at the release, and the time that this podcast comes out, it's going to be early June. You're already out there, man. You're already out there. This shit's already been dropped. This is episode so, four, and it's only March, but we're talking in June. Like, So be it. You are there. So be it. Yeah, I don't think you'll get that death threats, though. I'd be, I would be surprised. Nah. Nah. I would like to have an event where I get picketed, though. <laughs> I would be, I would, I would be taking selfies and shit. I'd be like, blah, blah, blah. Look at this shit. Holy fuck. That's when I know I would have. That's when I know I would have arrived. Oh yeah. man! If I if I took a picture of that and posted it on Facebook, someone picketing a Heretic Happy Hour live podcast, let's say, that would be my most popular post on Facebook by far. If you use if you use fear, if you use like the shit, this is what I did on Heretic. I put that bullshit that people say. I wish I had a copy in front of me, but. Just buy my book and read the back. Those aren't endorsements. You just take the dumbest shit people say and you make it a joke. You make it comedy. And, I know. And, and, and it kills. It's brilliant. But uh, I, I'm surprised that people... Probably people haven't done it yet. <laughs> I, well, I guess. I mean, maybe. <laughs> but if I feel like people should, should know that... Should know human psychology enough to know that when you do that, 
it only helps the other side. Like, I mean, it's if like, they use it the right way. Well, it's like when when Donald Trump. Well, sorry, bet no publicity is worse than bad publicity. I yeah. mean, Trump has to know that when he was knocking all of these books that came out, he was only helping market sales. Definitely, that's just weird. That's why I don't. I don't think Donald Trump's dumb. I don't think he's stupid. Well, I think oh, wait. I think I think he's smarter than. I think he knows. I think he knows it's going to get him numbers. What knows he's going to? I think Donald Trump will get elected, reelected. I'm going to put it on the record right now. But with respect to those books, it doesn't seem like he acted like he was. He was trying to discredit these books. To I assume he was just trying to hurt these authors. But then they blow up. But then they blow up because. But it's funny when he does the shit. He he does the same kind of shit. Like he uses the things said about him. Well, to blow up. Okay, right? No, that's true. Sorry, I misinterpreted you. I think. No, okay, but I see what you're saying. I think, like, yeah, both sides probably use it. I mean, even if it's better to look like an idiot and still talk about it than not talk about it at all. Because if you don't, it, it's more of a concession to Trump if you don't say anything than if you. Then if you just say something that's completely idiotic, but at least you said something, at least people are thinking about you. I mean, and that, I think is it, isn't that the whole like, no, I mean, bad public. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that, that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 I don't think there is. I think you can use it to benefit yourself, though. I think I think like someone like Trump right now could use everything. I think people talk about Trump too much. I think they point out all the bullshit, like the dumb shit. Yeah. Trump's not at the White House enough. D- it, Chappelle did this bit. It's like, don't don't call him on everything. Because then you're like, you're holding someone to a standard that you wouldn't want to be held to. Because you're, do- you're doing some shit too. We're all doing some shit. Mm-hmm. Just call him on the real big shit and focus on that. And it's like, you do all this Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. And then when he does some shit, no one listens. It's like the boy who cried wolf. There's some shit that's like, okay, you disagree, but it's not that big a deal. Yeah. And then when you focus on all the things, the real big deals, grab them by the pussy. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you're adv- you're adv- if you did this, you're advocating like sexual abuse. Like focus on things like that, not all the little sure. bullshit. And, I, and, and it's like, because they, then he could use all the publicity as just the liberals, the liberals, the liberals, the progressives, sure. the Democrats. And then it's like, now when he does some shit, it doesn't mean anything. No, and I think in that way he's actually very smart. I think and, so. And uh, but uh, and I think that's why he'll win. I hate to yeah. say it. I don't want to see him as president, but I think yeah. he, I I wouldn't be surprised. I would put money down right now if you gave me like, well, the odds to for Donald Trump to win are like five to one. I'd, I'd be like, yes, fifty bucks on that or a hundred bucks on that. Mm-hmm. And if I lose, I lose. Unfortunately, but if I win, I think I'm gonna win five hundred bucks. Everyone's like, no, he's gonna be impeached. He's gonna be nope. I think he's gonna win. I think people are wrong. I, I mean, I, 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 in in any normal time, the president who does this shit would be impeached. Probably, probably go back thirty years, be like, Holy and that's shit, why this guy would have never got elected. But I, I think that's why you can't blame the media. They're dealing with a completely different animal now. Everything he says is above the bar for. Oh, sorry. Here you go. Everything he says is above the bar for quote unquote impeachment. Like everything he has said, um, no previous politician could get away with. 
which so, I, which I think everyone's got to rewrite the script on how they think about things. Right. I mean, um, I think that's why what uh, the prime minister from New Zealand did recently with regards to the mass shooting was a step in the right direction. She's not she's not going to mention that person by name anymore. Hmm. Um, she didn't mention the shooter by name. No, well, she said she's not going to. Okay, I don't remember. Um, and I think it's for people like Trump. <laughs> I think we just talk I about think it. Most... Yeah. We talk about him too much. He doesn't care if you talk shit about him. He's got that whole, like, I don't give a fuck well, attitude. He really, he really sh- at this point, he really shouldn't. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. And it actually doesn't do anything, you know. I mean, no, I know it... his numbers are down. But I think when you talk about people all the time, it gives them power. Like we talk about fucking crazy people all the time. We talk about negative shit all the time, and that's what we think the world is always negative. We don't see the positive. Mm-hmm. We see it through this grid of like always negative. You know, there's there's always negative. Always look at. I mean, just look at our people. Our people were the evangelical church. We grew up in that shit. And when like Obama was president, we focused on the negative. Obama, <laughs> right? We focused on all the bullshit Obama did. And we still focus, when Trump gets president, they focus on what? The negative. What's the media doing? What's the liberals doing? Like, we always gravitate toward that shit. Liberals do it too, probably. They probably do it too. Everyone yeah. probably does it. We get in our tribes. Yeah. But it seems, yeah, I can, we can speak more to our people, the, the conservative, evangelical, fundamentalist. We know what it's like to be in that world. It's just the way it is. Right. I grew up in that world. And, and I've taken a step back from my skewed view, but I can still recognize when you're operating from fear, you're going to gravitate toward fear. You're going to talk about the negative all the time. Yeah, You're never focused on mindfulness, mm-hmm. the present moment, <laughs> the naked now, the uh, anything like that. Yeah. It's all fear. Yeah, just to take, to take the, to correct that whole way of thinking, Watts talks about, I'm not sure where, that the, the question isn't, isn't uh what should you do but what do you what do you want to do um i mean oh, when, you, when you say that, some watts said somewhere somewhere yeah. yeah i mean that's very watsian what what you should do is more of a negative way of approaching reality i mean nobody wants to live according to a bunch of odds but yeah i mean what do you want to do um i love his shit on the dance man with life is a dance What's the point of the dance? Dance. I see it with my daughter all the time. He talks about dancing a lot. And he also talks about, like, yeah, I love does. his analogy of, uh, like, when you're struggling in the water or you're struggling to see through the water, like, the option, like, the, the best option is not to clear away the sand or the soot mm-hmm. that, you've, that you've stirred up. Yeah. It's to be still. It's like, well, what's the point of stillness? You'll see the point when you become still <laughs> be still first and then mm-hmm. what follows follows not fear it's not fear it's never fear no i guess uh the pushback i could see would be that's such a easy convenient attitude like that's right like yeah <laughs> i mean i yeah, that's it. it is easy it's pretty I mean, easy not. to knock pacifism <laughs> until you become a pacifist and then you're like, ooh, that's hard as fuck. Because you know what? To not do anything, to not retaliate. That's yeah. what I said last time. I said, yeah. I said uh, in the last episode, 
you punch me like I'm I I'm capable of fucking you up still. I haven't done jiu-jitsu in a while. I haven't done MMA in a while. But my propensity if you come fuck with me or my family, I'll choke your ass out and it'll be quick and you'll be like I didn't know this dude knew stuff. <laughs> That's my propensity. How do I deal with shit without like and not even not even defense like I will attack you if I feel threat like I still got that you know, pacifism is not easy. And once you try it out, you're like, how do I approach this situation nonviolently? That's what I learned in the group home. The last thing we wanted to do is restrain a kid. How can we defuse a situation nonviolently? Even when they're throwing a TV, like if, we're, if they're throwing a TV, you can still stop them and not be, not even restrain them. I've stopped kids from like breaking shit. And then I didn't get in a restraint. It's like, how did you do that? It's like, you just, keep working you keep grinding i mean i mean i would imagine it takes more effort i mean a lot more effort pacifism is a lot of effort i mean it, it would might not take a whole lot of effort just to knock that kid out oh no with the skills i knew yeah. if a kid was throwing a tv off the tv stand and you and you didn't have the mindset of how do i not get in a restraint but stop the situation you always had that mindset if i was just like lock this motherfucker up it'd be done in 30 seconds. But see, the problem is that when you keep doing that to kids, it's not healthy. It doesn't help them. It's just restraint after restraint after restraint after restraint, violence after violence after violence. And I'm not saying it's bad. You have to do it. There's something that says you gotta, you gotta do it. But I think when the kids learn the most is when like a staff would sit with them for an hour and a half and always not go to the violent place and sit with them, keep talking, keep grinding, keep working. It actually, it's it, it impacts them in a different way. So pacifism in that way, always violence or for, force is always like a last resort, I would say. I don't see a problem with force necessarily. No. I don't see force as violence no. though. No, and more generally speaking, I don't see exerting calories as... Being passive doesn't mean that you're not exerting calories. You're not doing stuff. I mean... You're doing stuff when you're pacifist, though. I mean, being a pacifist is actually... Well, it's a noun, but pacifism is a verb. Absolutely. It's uh, an do, action. Doing nothing <laughs> yeah. is doing something. <laughs> it's doing a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yep. That's what people don't get. They still operate out of this place of fear. This is why I said... When I was an evangelical, I don't even think I believed in the resurrection. I don't think I lived as if, like, I had to defend my life. Like, you see all, like, a lot of the gun nuts, a lot of people who have, like, 30, 40, 50 guns. Yeah. Seems like they're scared to die. And I'm not saying, like, you should die. If you're a Christian, you should die. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, like, it seems like for a lot of Christians, especially early on, maybe, they would rather die than be violent. That's what's weird when you study history. Like, what do I do with that? We're always so prone to like be on the offensive. The best defense is a good offense. <laughs> we live in America. Yeah. That's just the way. That's the way it is. But we forget we forget that. This is a very Christianity is very radical. I think Buddhism is very radical as well. But I think both are very radical in their like most robust forms. I mean, I think both are I think the thing that 
David Bentley Hart and Alan Watts, the thread that they would have in common would definitely be Grace. I mean, absolutely. Grace, uh, uh, Grace. I mean, nonviolence. Um, I think maybe maybe the the common thread between all religions is grace. I mean, if it's hard to think of being enlightened with any within any religion and not not have grace <laughs> not have grace i just don't see that yeah it would seem absurd wouldn't it when you listen to a cc you listen to rumi you listen to the buddha you listen to baha ba bawaya muhayadin he's a sufi um <laughs> yeah, mystic nice. yeah i think i got that right forgive me <laughs> if you know who he is and i and i fucked it up um the message seems the same man universal love um compassion towards all creatures all sentient beings all living things, all non-living things, the universe, the cosmos, yeah. ultimate reality, capital R, whatever you call it. life is precious. It's, it's all the same shit, man. <laughs> this is what blows your mind. When you get out of that place of fear, you break free from that. You can yeah. see all that and you're like, wow, this is, this is bigger than me. And I can be, I can be who I am. I can live life. I don't have to live day to day we got, we got anxiety. We got, we got all that shit, even as universalists, but we can, the existential fear is, it's gone. No, it's all about temporary stuff that I worry about. Yeah. Which then you realize is absurd, but whatever you just, well, <laughs> no one's a perfect Buddhist. <laughs> no. And I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for being anxious about stuff. Life is still difficult. It's still hard. Yeah. Still have vices. Still smoke, still drink, still have caffeine, and and I and I love them all. I, yeah, I love everyone, all my I mean, vices. Everyone's got vices, man. <laughs> everyone's got vices. That's why I think all the mystics say, "Do not judge, do not label." I think Richard Rohr points out that uh, "do not judge" is essentially like "do not do do not place labels." Don't even call it good or bad. Don't even call it good or evil. What is the what is the what happens after that you try to bite from the fruit of the knowledge of good of tr- the, the right. tree of right. knowledge of good and evil? <laughs> I was doesn't gonna, go well, does it? No, that that's very interesting. That uh, the first sin was acquiring the knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, the gnosis. Right. When you when you label good and evil, it seems like we get in a bit of a quandary. It seems like. When, I mean, if, if 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 acquiring the knowledge of good and evil, or at least the supposed knowledge, not the true knowledge, I don't think. No, I think the true supposed, knowledge yeah. of good and evil leads you to grace. <laughs> you fucked up. You're evil too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in yeah, some way, not not ontologically. I mean, not that's not your true essence. Your true essence is good, but you fuck up. Don't judge. And it leads to where does it lead? You know, Cain and Abel, Lamech, vengeance, seventy-seven fold flood. Why does the flood happen? Violence and corruption. It all stems from this. I'm right, you're wrong. Fuck you. I'm in. What I'm doing is righteous. What I'm doing is just. What I'm doing is my right. Yeah. And then when you, when you think in that way, when you think in those terms, Mike, you fucked up. <laughs> I'm gonna murder you. I'm going to kill you. 
And then your family is going to kill all of my family. And then all my family, and we get in this feud, family feud. <clears throat> sobering, man. It's sobering. So I get why there's fear. There's a lot to fear. Right and wrong is pretty much the same as <laughs> in and out as it relates to you personally. If you're wrong, you're on the out. Always. It's all it's all about belonging. People all just want to, they want to belong. I get but it. But it's not, you guys, it's belonging doesn't have to be dualist. Everybody can belong. You don't have, you don't have to have an out. You can have just people that are in. You, you obviously wouldn't have the label in anymore, but... Because you wouldn't have out people, that's just how language works. We always but. we always like sort of define what it is with what it's not. And that's fine. I always want to remind people like universalism is not bad news for you. It's still good news for you. You're still good. Your decision still matters. <laughs> Your life still matters. Right. And uh that just means that it that doesn't mean that somebody else is necessarily out. Just no. because you're in, it doesn't mean that somebody else is out. Right. Like your brother or your sister or your other family member who didn't accept Jesus, you still love them. They're still in. They might, they'll, they'll recognize it someday. They could rebel against the family, <laughs> the blessed Trinitarian family. And I would say, I mean, they're rebelling against a false Jesus, not rebelling Maybe. against the true Jesus. Or at least their ego, even if, they're, even if they've met the true Jesus, let's say, or Buddha. For our Buddhist listeners, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're still their their ego is still preventing them from. They were otherwise impaired. Yeah. Otherwise impaired. Yeah. And For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Because it doesn't it doesn't seem to make any sense to me that an otherwise unimpaired person would ever reject love and or the, or God. What God is love. So love God. They whatever. would be insane. You'd have to be insane to do in that. some way. Maybe even not what we would call clinically insane, but deceived or, or just deceived, not having full faculty, something like that. Right. It doesn't seem an otherwise free person would ever, ever reject love. You know, when I've rejected love, it's because I've been not sober minded, angry, not of my best faculties, mm -hmm. up drunk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, <laughs> you know. In some sort of capacity like that, incapacitated of the mind, of the heart. But I see it. I see it getting better slowly for me. Getting better for you. Yeah, that's good. It's all a journey, all a process, man. Even Alan Watts was an alcoholic, wasn't he? And he died from it. Yeah, he died young, in his fifties. Yeah. But you listen to those like YouTube quotes where they put some ambient music. To some lecture he had, it's like that's the most beautiful shit I've ever heard. It's fucking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. He definitely knew how to, well, at least uh, lecture in the present moment. He could talk. He had a very methodical way of talking. No ums or likes or no ums or likes, and pause for effect. He would be totally cool. With awkward silence. <laughs> and But you would hang on his words. No, I mean, you were totally his puppet. Or yeah, totally. He was totally playing you. If there was five or six or se seven seconds of uh, silence, 
and he he but you would you wouldn't feel awkward. I feel like if we sat here and had ten seconds of awkward silence, it'd be weird because I don't think we would communicate like Alan Watts did, and he would have you hanging on shit. Like, is he gonna talk? What's where's the punchline? <laughs> and then he'd hit you. I would maybe for him the the pause was totally natural. Probably like for other people, it's just because they forgot what they were gonna say. But for him, it's that it's at the end of a natural thought, so there'd be a natural pause right there. And I think he was so like in the moment that he would be literally processing what he's saying at the time, and making sure yeah, he articulates like it correctly, yeah. rather than. And he'd rather be correct and precise rather than rush. Or then rushed, yeah. or yeah, he yeah. yeah, he'd be cool with a couple second break. Nobody's uh, going nowhere. Nope. Because you got him. Mm -hmm. Whatever you did, you got him. You got people listening. And he was funny too. But I feel like not like in a... It's very dry. Yeah, he couldn't do the comedy store, but... (laughs) Unfortunate. I mean, that's unfortunate. I'd listen. It'd be a TED Talk, but it wouldn't be the comedy store. But he'd still make people... He'd still make people laugh. People would still laugh and it was like, it was funny. He was clever. But he was just clever. He was very clever with the things he would say. And he spoke with such an authority, but a humble, but a humble nature as well. He he struck that balance. Well, he was talking about things that seemed so self-evident. I mean, and maybe that's why he was so brilliant because he was able to make things seem so self-evident. If you um, paid attention to him, right? I I feel like most people who read Watts, they're at a place in their in their journey where they actually care like they're actually paying attention to what people are saying and paying attention to the world around them because that's a lot of what watts seem to talk about right i mean i would i mean yeah that flows very naturally from just being in the present moment yeah that's what it's all about yeah you could see the most amazing things in the present moment like I don't even like this rabbit that I got in this hutch over here. <laughs> it's my daughter's rabbit. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, but sometimes you watch something like that eat a carrot, and you're just like mesmerized by it. It's like, wow, the, most nights I would never think about it. I'd just be like, oh, it's another chore. Everything's a chore. But you ever, you ever rake a garden? <laughs> Have I raked the forest? Have you <laughs> <laughs> to prevent forest fires? <laughs> <laughs> this I, motherfucker, man. I sorry. I've I've raked my garden. Yes. Yeah, we've raked it together. Yeah. When you're really Very present. Peaceful. Yes. When you're really present with uh, it. Yeah. That's why people could watch Buddhists sweep a uh a staircase. Steps up to the temple. Because if you're present with it, someone uh there was like this uh Christian mystic who people would come and I forget who it was. Brother Lawrence maybe. People uh, would watch him peel potatoes because he was so present with it. Be like, this is a show. Well, have you heard about? I don't know if it's uh, if she recently came into the news, but there's this uh, um, girl from somewhere back east, maybe uh, India, where she, um, I think, from you know as early as she can remember, she's felt like her purpose. Shoot, was this Jamal? This this was Jamal's story. <laughs> oh man, Jamal, <laughs> oh, motherfucker! She felt like it was her gift to 
look into people's eyes. No, that is Jamal. Okay. Oh, you're quote right. you're quoting the Heretic Happy Hour. <laughs> this dude. Not yeah, planned. You're welcome. You're you're welcome. Yes, thank you. God bless you. And God bless Jamal Javanji. The f- he's a funny dude. I love that dude. I don't agree with him all the time, but he says some shit that I'm like, that's historically probably not true. Let's talk oh, about for it. Real? Okay. But, but when he gets to his point about what he wants to say, it's like his overall worldview, I, I feel oh, is it's, very spot on. I think it's very close. And he's the nicest dude you'll ever meet. Oh, that absolutely. Dude, that dude would absolutely. fucking he would he would strip down naked to give you all his clothes and it meant if it meant like he if you guys were on uh if you're the Donner party and Jamal was there, he'd be like, eat my body. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that at all. I will just, I'll die and you guys <laughs> make sure you make it and go spread the love of the oneness of God and Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he'd be the first dude. Like that is the coolest mm-hmm. dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he is your favorite. That's what you said. I did. Fucks I, with my ego, man. I, that, that's not to diminish, to diminish you or Keith at all. No. No, I'm just messing with you. See, that's why you got to self-deprecate. That's a funny joke. If you say Jamal's your favorite, it's like, that's hilarious. Don't take it pers- Don't take things personally. We're so insecure. And, and if it... We take everything personally. It, it's only incremental. I mean... That's it, right. If anything, Jamal is my favorite. Right. And I'm just like, oh, cool. <laughs> I still want to hang out. <laughs> I still want to do a podcast, even though you wish you were, Jamal was sitting over it, here. That might be a threshold <laughs> for something. I have you haven't figured it out yet. There might be something in the future that you deny me. Uh, I hope not. Like Judas, you're Jesus and I'm Judas. I'll give you, I'll betray you with a kiss and be like, I'm going to sell you out, motherfucker. <laughs> right, I'm going uh, big time. Someone <laughs> wants the bonfire sessions, but Mike's got to go. Uh, Peace out, bitch. <laughs> oh, shit, really? Uh, I'll be more careful for sure. No, I would never do that. I wouldn't do that. If Jeff Bezos came and gave me a billion dollars, that's a lot of money, though. Well, we, we might have to finagle some a fake kiss and then be like, Mike, I'll give you $500 million if I sell you out. I got you. <laughs> Would you take it? $500 million. I wouldn't do it. If someone said, all right, bonfire sessions is fucking amazing, but Mike's got to go. We got to get you a different guest. Here's, a, billion, here's a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Would you do it? Matt's got to go. I'd say no. no. I'd say no. Fuck you. Go fuck yourself. No. I'm an Yeah. 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 Screw that. Yeah, fuck you. Absolutely I'm not. I'm not going to sell it. Get the fuck out of here. Because, I mean, really, what can you buy for a billion dollars? <sighs> you could just become one of those. I could see myself becoming a kind of a dick. If I had a billion dollars, I I fear, I postulate that I would be, I'd give it all away. I'd live how I am living now. I definitely wouldn't give it all away. No, I wouldn't give it all away. For I mean, for a billion dollars, you could probably buy a decent-sized island with internet access. <laughs> so you can watch porn, <laughs> right? And create create an awesome dirt bike track. Oh, you'd have a sick dirt bike track. You'd have to. And I could fly my friends in. Yeah, I wouldn't sell you out though. Life is what is the uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. That's why it, it deceives a lot of people. People get caught up in that shit, man. Well, I mean that that's why with all with all my heart and soul, I want to say no, I wouldn't. But I've never had five hundred million dollars presented to me. I don't. It'd be a lot of briefcases. 
But it probably wouldn't be as much as you think. I bet it'd be like five, five big briefcases or something full of big bills. I've never done the math or the I geometry. I don't want to. I don't even think that's, that's not, that's probably not beneficial. At the end of the day, I want Jeff Bezos or someone, some rich motherfucker. He still goes to bed. He still tries to get up in the morning. He's still sore. He still deals with bullshit. He's still fucked up in his head like all of us are. So, right, money doesn't it's, buy you. It doesn't buy you a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be poor. I definitely don't want to be poor. But no in the end, in the end, everybody wakes up sore. But yeah, we're, yeah, we still wake up with our fucking <laughs> knee out of whack. <laughs> you're still trying to just probably get laid or something. I bet you're just still th- you're still thinking about sex. You're still well, think- you're still doing like bullshit that all of us are doing <laughs> in that way. I mean, <laughs> I mean, sex isn't probably beyond them too far. <laughs> but, but did you hear that that uh, owner of the Patriots, Robert Kraft? He like flew down to Florida and got it like a fifty dollar hand job. <laughs> I didn't read the specifics. No, <laughs> no, someone told me that. Well, no, I saw the I saw the uh, the article or the headline, but I never. I was like, I don't give a fuck about what some dude did to get a hand. Like, to get, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. It's not really newsworthy. No, it's not newsworthy. Oh, some dude got a hand job. I don't give. I don't give a shit. But and my brother in law told me he's like, yeah, it was like he like flew down to Florida and got a hand job for fifty bucks. <laughs> I was like, seriously, like, yeah. If that ha- if I did that, that would be big news in my life. Like, I'd be a dick. I'd be a fucking asshole. But news, news is weird. Why the fuck do I give a shit? Well, no, it's not news, I guess, because... But it's news for, like, two days. If you go on Twitter, <clears throat> you go on Facebook, <laughs> this dude got a hand job, and Trump was there one time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the a genuine um, uh, critique of the media, because there is... It does definitely skew towards the negative. You can't deny totally. that. Totally. And, and the, and the <clears throat> over-the-top shit, like, I yeah. don't give a shit. But... The thing that you have to remember is bias is not the same thing as telling a lie. Reporting a fact is not the same thing as telling the lie. No, it's it not might a give lie. A, it might give a false impression of the entire scenario, but that doesn't mean that the media uh, is telling lies against to switch gears Trump. No, everyone's got a lens, man. Everyone's got a bias and say, oh, this person's biased, this writer's biased, this media outlet is biased. Of course they're biased. Everyone's biased. I think when when people default as their tribe is normative and the other tribe is biased, it's like, no, everyone's biased. I'm biased. You're biased. Well, we have to take the negative connotation out of being biased. Right. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad, it can be a bad thing, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right, and I guess we should give people more grace, I guess. Which is why all the mystics say that they, they come back to grace. It's funny. It's a funny thing. If you're paying attention, you might notice the same things, the same patterns. And I would, I would, I would point out the same thing. Fundamentalist Christians are just like fundamentalist Muslims. Or no, fundament- you, can see, you can see the patterns. There's the common each. thread. Yeah. And so if you're a fundamentalist, I'm not I'm not saying like everything that mystics of every faith tradition is right because they say the same thing. Fundamentalists say the same thing as well. 
the funny thing is that like the fundamentalist Christian would would not want to be associated with the fundamentalist Muslim. If right. you're like, well, yeah, you're not violent like ISIS, but you read your Bible the same way. No, the, or Quran. The fundamentalist is totally isolated. Whereas we got no problem saying someone in the Buddhist tradition who's enlightened is not saying anything different than Jesus. Right. All all the enlightened can share the same table, but And they'd be cool with it. Yeah. But But you sit down a fundamentalist Iman and someone from the Westboro Baptist Church? No. They're not going to sit there for a year and dialogue back and forth. They're only going to start gonna, a podcast. <laughs> right. They're only going to want to do that within their own specific, I don't know, maybe even Bible study. Oh, for sure. And then you get someone like Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, and they can sit down and give each other kisses on the cheek. And like Alan Watts la- and Dave and Bentley Hurt. And, they yeah. would sit there and laugh yeah. and tell jokes and be cool. Yeah. Totally. Resurrect Alan Watts from the dead and have him sit down with David Bentley Hart. And that would be a fun conversation, and everyone would be cool with it. You sit down a fundamentalist Amon and someone from the Westboro Baptist Church, and you're like, you guys are going to start a podca- podcast, and you got to do it for a year. Or you're going to start killing one another. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it might get probably, a little he- probably not. It might get a little heated, though. <laughs> you probably won't like each other much. It's not going to look like this. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not going to be drinking whiskey. Yeah. No, that's for sure. They're not going to be drinking whiskey. They just drink it by themselves. I feel like a lot of people who judge other people for doing shit just do shit without anyone looking. But they still do the shit. <laughs> That's my guess. That's my guess. A lot of people, not everyone. But now, there's the heroes out there. Yep. Yep. If you're a fundamentalist and you're like, I'm porn is the worst thing in the world and you never look at porn, all right, at least you're consistent. I don't I don't doubt you exist and I totally respect it. Totally. And you're consistent. But all the motherfuckers who are like porn is terrible and then they got like kitty porn on their fucking computer. It's like That's it's bad that you got kitty porn on your computer. It's worse that you're condemning everyone else for having porn or for being in a premarital sexual relationship or something. Like it's that's worse. It's bad one thing, you made it worse. Your hypocrisy made it worse. Hypocrisy is always worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, but your situation is probably more normative than the, than the heroic fundamentalist. Yeah. Probably. Well, that's why you go to Pornhub's statistics and you see that the Bible Belt is looking up more porn than anyone else. And it's like some kinky shit. I don't remember what it was, what it is. Yeah. It's either lesbian, it's not that lesbian's kinky, but it's either lesbian, which according to their prescriptions would be a no no. Um, or it's some some other some kinkier stuff. But either way, they the Bible belt is like they're in first place. In the hundred yard dash, yeah. they're getting the gold. <laughs> We're all fucked up, but they're getting the gold. We now might get we might get bronze. Big. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. That's why it always makes hypocrisy worse. Like the mystics are saying, don't label stuff. Don't label good and bad. You can talk about it. Just don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that's not, that's not a, that's a bad choice. You fucked up. That's it's stupid. an unwise choice. That's yeah. unwise. That's dumb. Yeah. But I think we can take it too far. We're like, this is behavior is bad all the time. 
I mean, they take it towards, I mean, they, I mean, sentimentalist. Sure. They, they take it to condemning the person as a whole. Oh, for I mean, sure. It definitely seems like they're not talking just about the action. No, because then they go to hell for everything. Or there's some like, God fundamentally <laughs> hates them for who they are. If they're gay, if they're bi, if they're trans, if they're, for some people, if they're black, if they're brown. I know it's a minority, but it's still out there. But yeah, hopefully a small minority. A small, loud minority, though. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people are subtly racist, though, that you wouldn't think. We're all probably a little racist, but I don't know. I really don't think that I am. I don't. Well, see, people would change it. People would change it a little bit to say that you benefit from um, white privilege, so therefore you're a little racist. And if you want to change, if you want to change to that, sure. Well, I mean, I benefited change, from being not having much melanin in my skin, and I mean, you can change definitely. the definition for what being a racist means. But I mean, I don't feel like any race is inherently superior. No, if that's the definition, which that's that's another. a classical definition, and I feel like I really don't believe that. Right. But see, that's where that's where things change. But like, if you're gonna People talk about racism more if you benefit from like white privilege, if you benefit from being lighter skinned. And if you're going to change it to that, then I can't argue. Yeah, of course sure. I do. Sure. Yeah. So it depends on the definition. I mean, I got pulled over recently and probably if I weren't white, things would have gone worse for me. They probably would have. Yeah. And that was right before we recorded episode two. Right. That's funny. And it kind of affected that episode a little bit. Sure. Probably, but... but I bet if you were black, it would have affected it more. <laughs> we might not have recorded. You might yeah. not have been here. Most so, likely, yeah. yeah. If you, yeah, <clears throat> if you benefit in that way, sure. Or, or anyone with lighter skin, anyone white, is probably racist in that way. I just, you know, I don't think it always helps to say that you're racist. That to point out, like, well, you're racist because you benefited from that. And maybe I'm speaking from a white male. I, I can't speak from any other context. Well, but I feel like when you use that word, you're not actually going to change anyone's view. Like, I think you still have to be nuanced in your way of communicating. You want to talk about systemic racism, talk about it that, but I think anytime we, we personalize something, we're kind of, they're going to be deaf to what we're saying. So even if we're saying something right, if we've personalized it about them, we called them racist, let's say. If you call me racist, my, my initial reaction is to like recoil and defend. No, I'm not saying that's right. That's just what most people would do. Uh, it's evolutionary, probably. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we we attach this like fight or flight mechanism <laughs> to it. It's not saying it's right or wrong. It's saying that's that's how most people would respond. So, of course, coming from a white, <laughs> someone who's benefited from white privilege, this is my context, but if you want to change someone's view about systemic racism, like just be real consistent about speaking of racism from a systemic level. That's where you're going to change people's mind. Like, if you just said, Matt, you're racist, be like, I get what you're saying. Totally. But most people wouldn't get what you're saying. So, strip the person, personalness from it, maybe. I don't know. That's what I found. If you speak systemically, speak systemically. And that's where you're going to change people's mind, you know, if you want to change white privilege and i do as a white person i do you probably do too 
You don't want you, you know it's not fair. No, I mean I I trust the I trust what people are reporting. I I mean if if a black person is saying that he feel he feels like he was um pulled over just because he was a black person, I mean I'm I'm I don't have a problem believing that. I We should believe that. Um well, I I think when it be it becomes believable when you just look at the aggregate. I mean, when you look at the sheer number of um, African-Americans that are getting pulled over simply because they're black. Yeah. It's something that's hard to deny. There's definitely a stigma. There definitely is. I've been, it's scary to be pulled over, but I'm not sure what it, I'm not sure what it's like to be pulled over if I'm a person of color. Like, I'm not sure. I have no way of knowing that. No, I, I don't. But it sounds significantly worse. It's fear, though. People fear black people. That's, I mean, just overall in America, that's why we, we, you know, white supremacy is a thing. You fear people of color. And it's because you paint this picture. You paint this other person. It's not just black people. It's gay people. It's Muslim people. It's a lot of people. It's, a, it's non-white people. And we just, we come from a place of fear. We fear the other. If we're white, we see someone with some melanin as other. <laughs> it's weird. Right, and I don't know if that is... It seems like a specifically white thing just to fear other races. I mean, for some reason. <laughs> we definitely get some fragility when it comes to like equality. <laughs> like We get real defensive about it. You yeah, know, I don't know. It's that, like, oh, don't mess with the status quo. <laughs> like, this person's... Yeah, I don't know. We get a little fragile. We get fragile saying that systemic racism exists. There's a lot of people who get offended by like Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? Like, for instance. And it's like, I don't agree with everything Black Lives Matter does, but if you people get offended just by hearing that. <clears throat> and all they're saying, if you broke it down, not to all the tactics some of them use, but you broke it down to like the spirit of what they're doing they're saying black lives they're saying black lives matter because all lives do matter and so when the people retort with all lives matter well yeah of course white lives have <laughs> seemingly always mattered like we treat them differently it, it, it's one of those weird sort of things so when um when people say that people who get offended are assuming that they're saying and white and white lives don't matter. Don't matter. Yeah, like because you, we're thinking it's a zero sum game. You can't. Yeah, both can't. Be both true. can't matter. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're seeing it dualistically because many people see it du dualistically. They're saying, "Well, the elect matter, or the or the non-elect don't. Christians matter, but others don't." We wouldn't say that, but that's how we kind of act. Or white people, we matter because when one commits this crime or this crime we want to see him reconciled we want to see him without the harsher sentence it seems that overall we see well the black people who get locked up for this and that they get a harsher sentence or they get locked up for more crimes than white counterparts do and it's just that yeah it seems many times our our present moment our experiences tell us that one life one group of lives matters more than the other but 
if we think of it non-dualistically, like all lives do matter. So therefore we have to treat people of color better than we have in the past or gay people better than we have in the past. We treat them like our cis hetero white <laughs> male normative. We, we, if that's the standard, we, we got to give that to all people <clears throat> or better, better treatment of all people lift up the people of the ostracized groups. We don't have to see it dualistically though. Just because one life, one group matters, just because we emphasize that more doesn't mean everyone doesn't matter. Is it a whole lot more than people just don't like change? We don't like change. I mean, many, I mean, if you're benefited from the status quo, and if it, that's tough, I mean, <laughs> and, and with any change, you just assume that it's going to be bad. I mean, maybe that's just the human dilemma. Human dilemma. Maybe. Me trying to uh, humanize it. I mean, uh, give grace to everybody. I mean, give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Not not assume that people's motives are are bad. That, uh, I don't think most people's motives are bad. I just think we get caught up in our narcissistic self, maybe. If we're a white male in America... Things are going pretty good. <laughs> we we get a little bit selfish about it. And we, and we don't think about... It's hard to be empathetic. It's hard to think about what it might be like to be someone not like you. We all probably suffer from it. Do you think people are thinking, if it's going good for me now, and it's going bad for people of color, if people, if people of color... If it now goes good for them, does that mean that my good is now diminished? Like, is there is there a finite amount of good to go around? Is there a finite <laughs> amount of resources? And if I don't get, if someone else gets theirs, I'm not going to get mine. I don't know if they, I don't know if people are thinking. They're not thinking like, <laughs> I don't think they're thinking like that. They're just thinking of themselves. We've said it. I think in the last couple of episodes, people don't, people aren't thinking about you. <laughs> If you're a person of color, like white people probably aren't thinking about you. They, they might be racist. White privilege is a thing. Might be if we if if a white person is walking down the street, sees a black person, they might be prejudiced. Certainly, there might be some systemic racism. I'm not disagreeing with that for sure. But I think a lot of the times people are just thinking of themselves. So if you're a white male, you're thinking of your white perspective. You're just thinking of your perspective. You don't think of it as white, but it is. So it, it takes a certain level of consciousness to step out of yourself, whatever race, color, creed, religion, sexual orientation you are, and think of it what it's like for the other person. And when you're in a place of power, it's definitely hard to think about what it's not like or what it's like to not be in a place of power. So you could be you could be heterosexual and you could speak about sexuality, but you're not necessarily speaking to the gay person. You're speaking from and that's okay. You shouldn't be expected to. But you got to listen to the person from the ostracized group, right? Mm -hmm. You got to listen. Okay. Black dudes telling me what it's like to be a black dude. Like, I got to listen to that. I'm not sure what that's like. If a Muslim dude is telling me what it's like to be a Muslim dude, I'm not sure what that's like in America, especially. I think the key is that people don't think about you as much as you want. As, as much as that initially stings, does it... 
the the fact that everybody is selfish should should encourage you a little bit like it, it's a comfort to know that it it I, means that it doesn't it doesn't matter if you perform well or not really i mean people don't really care if you won the golden globe <laughs> you know if it, for for a minute they do and then it fades away and, quick and then it's <laughs> gone i mean it's gone so fast yeah i think there is there is truth to to realizing that people don't give a fuck about you and just like use that to empower yourself whatever you're doing i think they don't care about the specifics of your life i think people care about you genuinely uh sorry (laughs) as a person as a human being they they care about you uh generally that that you're generally doing well yeah but but i don't think people are thinking about you on the daily not most people no i mean your best friends are your family is yeah but we yeah i still think we can we we still got to be our best with us whatever we are that should empower us to realize like all right people are going to talk shit people are going to do terrible things we had this christchurch massacre in new zealand people are going to do terrible things you know what the most powerful thing i saw was one of the uh i don't know if it was the amman or one of the um people who went to that mosque I was like, I forgive the person who did this. I was like, damn. They were not, they were affected by the event. They were, their life was changed forever. But they didn't let that person hold any power Mm -hmm. over them. You know, it was racist. It was anti-Muslim. It was xenophobic. And that dude was like, nope, you're not going to, you're not going to hold it over me. Yep. It was all those things. But guess what? At the end of the day. Yeah, you have no power over me because I forgive you. Allah forgives you. Allah is compassionate and merciful, as all the opening statements in all the chapters except for one says. And this is how I'm going to react to it. This is how we can all react to it. Again, speaking as yeah. a, as someone with white privilege, like I know it's difficult. I'm sure it is. I don't know it tacitly because I'm not. I'm not. I haven't experienced no I, systemic racism, but I mean, not to spiritualize it in a trite kind of way, but if you're just present with the with the moment, the, this is something that we can all do. Yeah, if that dude could burn himself alive in protest of how both Buddhists you, you were can treated, do this, yeah. Damn, that puts it in perspective. That 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 dude lit himself on fire, self immolation, in in as a you know, and was the only calm dude in in that Vietnam Vietnamese square wherever he did it. Yeah, and if wow. he, if he can do that, it's logically possible for yeah for people to yeah for people to get past their racist nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to get past it. They just, I don't know. It's a weird, a weird world we live in. It's it's weird to have the knowledge of all this stuff. I feel like it's always been this way. We've always been tribalistic. We've always been this and that. We just hear about it daily. We go on Twitter. We go on Facebook. We go on Instagram. And that's all we hear. Yeah, it doesn't. 
the same ideas today. They've been they've been around for thousands yeah. of years. They've been around forever. We've just been doing the same shit. We always fear the other. We always fear this group and that group. We're always in. They're always out. We're elect. They're not. We're the people of the promise. They're the people of degradation and hell, eventually. I mean, I guess that's just the story that everybody has to go through. Seems to be a redemption story on the whole for everyone. And when there's redemption, there's prior to redemption. <laughs> there's redeeming from something. And it gets it gets quite fucked up. I can't deny that. But keep your chins up, people. There's always hope. There's and, always tomorrow. Or blah, blah, blah. Sorry. And if there's not tomorrow, there's... I think there's still hope. I hold out <laughs> hope that we'll figure this shit out. <laughs> and if we don't, then... I don't know. Maybe life goes on past our current status, our status. I, I'm confident. I'm confident it will. I think so. I hope so. And in the meantime, shit gets crazy. <laughs> but fear not, for there's no fear in love. I keep butchering. I butchered that passage from Proverbs like 10 times this podcast. <laughs> that just shows how stupid I am. Well, it it shows how good the whiskey is. It is good. Well, yeah, with that, play us out, Barrett. As always, 